Our first lesson reminds us of God's ever-present care and provision. The words are familiar, but the message is new every morning, even in the midst of great suffering. God walks with us and provides for us. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel lesson comes from Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations on each and every one of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. When I first read the gospel text for today, I was a little puzzled by the lectionary selection. The selection skips from verse 34 down to verse 53, excising two exciting and cinematic episodes, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. Now those are some stories that a preacher can really sink her teeth into. They are the kinds of stories that I love to tell the kids in Sunday school, stories that really fire up the imagination and lend themselves well to interactive arts and crafts projects. But instead, the text today draws our attention to the moments that bracket these classic stories, moments that are easy to kind of skip over in a casual reading. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water paint vivid pictures of the extraordinary aspects of Jesus' ministry. The text we read today draws our attention to smaller, simple moments that reveal the character of Jesus. The Gospels tell us stories of 
unbelievable, miraculous events. Up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has healed people who were blind and paralyzed and suffering from leprosy. He has cast demons out of tormented people. He has even raised someone from the dead. The events vary, but his motivation, made explicit in our scripture for today, remains consistent. Jesus sees people, and he is moved by compassion. He sees people, really sees them, and he is moved by compassion. The Greek word translated in our scripture today as compassion evokes being stirred in one's innermost parts. It's an earthy word. One commentary I referred to said the word references the nobler entrails, which apparently included the heart, lungs, liver, and kidneys. It's important for us to be reminded that Jesus was a man of flesh and blood. Oftentimes, our lovely stained glass images of the Lord remove him in our minds from the muck and mire of the human experience that he inhabited. We rightly declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but I think we often forget that he referred to himself much more often as the Son of Man. I won't get into the debates over the eschatological meanings of the phrase, because I think the most powerful meaning lies right on the surface. Jesus, in calling himself the Son of Man, reminds us of the fact of his humanity. As Paul writes in Philippians, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Jesus, the Son of Man, or as the common English Bible renders the phrase, the human one, is familiar with all of the many afflictions that characterize the human experience. Living among us, as one of us, Jesus is able to empathize with people at a uniquely human level. Jesus intimately understands, for example, what it means to be hungry and tired. His own human flesh felt these pains. When we see that, or when he sees that his disciples have had no leisure even to eat, he sees them, has compassion for them, and instructs them to get away and take a break. So Jesus and his disciples attempt to take their boat to a solitary place, but the crowds are relentless, arriving ahead of them on foot. This is when I, an ordinary human being, would lose my patience with these masses of people. Up to this point, Jesus has been busy teaching, healing the sick, raising people from the dead. Hasn't he offered enough to these people? Can't they just give him a moment of peace and quiet? But Jesus does not respond this way. He sees the people, really sees them. And he has compassion on the people, Mark tells us, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. It is possible to see people as sheep without a shepherd and be stirred to the opposite of compassion. People, especially masses of people, can display the worst qualities of sheep without a shepherd. Aimless, empty-headed, persistently putting ourselves in danger, wandering right into the wolf's den. 
and we don't learn from our behavior, making the same mistakes again and again. Maybe you saw a viral video that was going around a few months ago. A farmer is shown carefully pulling a sheep out of a ditch, and once the sheep is free, it prances off and falls right back into the same ditch again. To be compared to sheep is not very complimentary. But when Jesus saw that the people were like sheep without a shepherd, he did not feel contempt or frustration. He felt compassion, that stirring in his innermost parts. Moved by this compassion, Mark tells us, he began to teach them many things, later in the chapter going on to offer healing to any who reached out to him. Seeing a shepherdless people, Jesus serves as their good shepherd. The image of the Lord as shepherd and the people as God's flock occurs several times in the Old Testament, most famously in the 23rd Psalm, which we heard today, beautifully read by Griffin. As familiar as it is, this psalm never fails to move me with its beauty and simplicity. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even those of us who have never touched a real live sheep are captured by this poetry, comforted by the peace of this pastoral scene. But the Hebrew scriptures also remind us that to be a shepherd is not always peaceful. From the mouth of a young David in the book of 1 Samuel, we hear, I work as a shepherd for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear has come and attacked one of my lambs, I have gone after it and struck it down to rescue the lamb from the predator's mouth. If it turned to attack me, I would take it by the chin, beat it, and kill it. Not exactly the kind of stuff you embroider on a pillow. But to be a good shepherd involved great personal risk. Jesus speaks on this in the Gospel of John. The hired hand, Jesus says, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. But for the shepherd, it is different. There is personal investment. There is care. The shepherd knows the sheep and is willing to risk everything to protect them. As Jesus says in the Gospel of John, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And of course, this is exactly what Jesus did. Driven by a deep and abiding compassion for people, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is another Christian image that has become somewhat sterilized by its ubiquity. For us, the cross has become a symbol of hope. But in the Roman world, the cross was a symbol of terror, shame, and death. Cicero writes that the mere mention of the cross is unworthy of a Roman citizen. We see the taboo around crucifixion echoed many times in the writings of Paul who acknowledges that to proclaim Christ crucified is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. The scandal of the cross still resonates deeply when its reality is contemplated. The human body of Jesus, the Son of Man, endured the most inhumane tortures and indignities imaginable. It is 
some 2,000 years later, uncomfortable to think about, almost impolite to get into, into too much detail. Early Christian heresies attempted to deal with the uncomfortable reality of the cross by denying Jesus' humanity. In the early centuries of the church, some claimed that Jesus only appeared to be a flesh and blood human. In truth, his body was a kind of phantasm. Jesus was not truly human, they claimed, and thus not truly capable of physical suffering. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus was very much human, very much capable of suffering, both physical and emotional. Scripture tells us that Jesus experienced hunger, thirst, pain, sorrow, anxiety. He felt these things in his innermost parts. And thanks be to God. As it says in Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Jesus felt every discomfort, every low point, every heartbreak that we feel. As I try to teach the children in our community, this means that we can come to Jesus with anything, no matter how big or small. Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, feels compassion for us in our frustrations, in our worries, in our anger. We do not have to hide our more unpleasant realities from him because Jesus has lived in these unpleasant realities himself. And he responded, in all cases, with compassion. It is, of course, our mission as Christians to imitate Christ and turn this eye of compassion onto others. Sometimes this is more of a challenge than other times. Sometimes I see people in all of our messy humanity, and I want to wash my hands of it all. I feel frustration. I indulge in contempt. I puff myself up with self-righteousness and think, if only these misguided people could think and behave more like me. May God instead give us Christ's eyes of compassion for the world. May we tap into our human empathy and realize that if we are susceptible to such human failings as false pride, bigotry, selfishness, perhaps we should have compassion on others who have fallen into these patterns. Perhaps we should extend forgiveness. Perhaps we should stop drawing lines between us and them, our team and their team, and acknowledge that we are all a part of the human family. And may we further challenge ourselves to turn Christ's eyes of compassion on our own hearts. May we cease to pile on ourselves with shame and self-hatred when we make a mistake or feel an uncomfortable emotion. May we forgive ourselves, accept ourselves, love ourselves, that we might in turn forgive, accept, and love others. May we truly be imitators of Christ, looking on this messy human world with compassion. Amen. Thank you.